I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 80. Did you ever think we would be here? No. Well, first of all, we stuck with something for a very long time. Right? (laughs) Who knew? We had it in us. Well, I know you have it in you because you're still with Candy Crush. True. Candy Crush is my soulmate. Longest relationship. Ever. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. But I will say, she cheats on Candy Crush with Toy Blast. Y'all know. I mean, a girl's got to have a little something-something on the side. (laughs) She's got her toys, y'all. I mean, when the lives run out, you can't keep (laughs) up with me. Girls got to get what a girl's got to get. True, true. Not sponsored. I mean, I'm not ashamed of it. (laughs) You know what else I'm not ashamed of? Uh, That this is the last episode before the start of Halloween? Yes. No. But, (laughs) good segue, because you know who's going to get a lot of fucking Halloween stuff? Kids that come trick-or-treating. This bitch. (laughs) New Patreoners. Look at us. Teamwork. What's going to work? Teamwork. Thank you so freaking much. Susan J. from Illinois. Jen M. from California. And Emily L. from Louisiana. They have signed up for Patreon. They are going to get all the fucking Halloween good good. They're getting tricks, treats, and no smelling of the feats. (laughs) 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 And... That's in addition to all the back shit that's already on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And they get into the exclusive Creepinati Facebook group where we do our monthly Facebook lives. So, if you want in on all of that shit, head over patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, y'all. Mine is short, but it is good and juicy and thick and... Okay, never mind. Sorry. It's, it's all about the motion of the ocean? Uh-huh. Okay. It's how you use it. How you, you know... You know, it's it's not about the tool itself. Mm-hmm. It's about how you use the tool. Uh-huh. Okay. God, you sound like a tool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. I'm not going to give you any other warning than picture it. Is that different than your normal warning? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Just checking. March 1956, New Mexico. So two people, they were both stationed at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, like I said. It's Sergeant Jonathan Lovett and Major William Cunningham. They were on a, like, a search and, like, pickup shit of these. Search and pickup shit? Uh Uh-huh. That's a new thing. Not search and rescue. No. mm Mm-mm. And the shit they had to pick up was debris from missile testing. So, they're at the White Sands Missile Test Range. Whoa. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's at 0300 hours, which is... 3 a.m., the witching hour. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Put those pieces together. You like that? I'm learning. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) It's the witching hour, right? (laughs) Guys, back me up. Okay, so picture these two men walking around in the desert with their flashlights looking for debris. With their dog tags on... So, don't leave a wet spot, Carrie. I was about to say, now, if they come at me with those fucking dog tags on, Mm -hmm. and that's all they got on. Oh, girl. You know what? All of it. Just all of Men in uniform. (laughs) I I am there for it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was going to try to do G.I. Joe, G-Spot. I don't know. It works. All right. So, Cunningham is saying that they're, you know, searching like Scooby-Doo with their flashlights. And then, love it. Has went over a ridge and he was going to look at a small sand dune. So he's like, cool, cool. You know, you get that part. I'm looking over here. And then all of a sudden he hears a scream. 
So he takes off, heads over the ridge towards the dune, and he sees a silver disc hovering about 10 to 15 feet over that sand dune. And he not only sees this, but he sees like this huge snake-like thing, um, you know, like a tentacle kind of thing, hanging out of the craft, and it wraps itself around Lovett's legs and pulls him upward onto the spaceship. And Major Cunningham said he was basically paralyzed by an unseen force. Like, he knew, like, shit, I need to, like, react. I need to do something. But he couldn't. He just watches his friend Lovett get pulled up into that spacecraft, and then it flies off, like, real fast. Well, beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) As soon as it gets out of sight, Cunningham can move again. So it's like whatever was keeping him there dissipated when it went away. So he gets back to their Jeep, you know, you know, over, over, blah, 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 blah. Breaker, breaker, one, nine. Love it, done got stole. (laughs) Over and out. (laughs) Love it or list it, and they fucking listed it. (laughs) (laughs) So then he reports the incident to missile control, and they're like, 10-4, good buddy, we do see something on the radar, It is unidentified, and it is moving, you know, faster than a fucking speeding bullet, that kind of shit. Of course, search parties begin immediately for Sergeant Lovett, and Major Cunningham is taken in. He gives a written report, all, you know, well, verbal, whatever, signs it. Y'all know the deal. And then he is admitted to White Sands Base Dispensary for observation. Mm. Because they're thinking Cunningham has killed his fucking partner, made up this elaborate story to cover his tracks, so they're going to question his ass. Mm -hmm. So while he's being held under observation, the search for Lovett continued, and they can't find anything. Nothing at all. On the third day, however, they had, like, went over 100 square miles over and over. Not just like, okay, y'all get this. Mm-hmm. You get this. No, they would like double check each other. Well, third day, they find Lovett's body, and it's only 10 miles from where he had went missing. 10 miles is a long way in the fucking desert. It is, but like they went hundreds of miles. Oh, true, true. And doubled over. Oh, true, true. And we have all heard the stories about cows being mutilated and shit. Well, Lovett's body was fucking mutilated. Oh, no. When they found his body, it was completely drained of every drop of blood. What? Kicker is, no sign of vascular collapse. And for y'all people who don't understand what that is, because, uh, raising my hand right here, because I was like, okay, that's a big deal. Uh, Google. It means that he did not die from bleeding to death, and that's very unusual for someone who's been drained of their whole Blood. Body of blood. Blood of body. Whatever. Blood of Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Under his eye. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) That was fucking funny. (laughs) Oh, God. And then he had an incision that had been made into his lower jaw. And through that incision, his tongue... Had been removed. Oh, my. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. 
and then a cut from the tip of his chin all the way down to his larynx. His anus and genitalia had been expertly removed. And what they said, it was, quote, as if from a plug. So it was like all the way up to the colon. Okay. His eyes had been taken out smoothly. So beyond surgical precision. All I can picture was that story I did where the guy used the melon baller Uh on the eyes. Mm -hmm. That's all I can think of. Mm Mm-hmm. I skimmed over that part because, you know. You don't like eyes, mm-mm. but that's what I had thought. Yeah. Also, his body did not show any signs of decomposition. What? Uh-huh. But it was estimated that it had been out in the sun in New Mexico, dead as he, you know, like, mm-hmm. not hidden anywhere for one or two days. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. It's hot as fuck in New Mexico. Uh-huh. And sunny as fuck. Thank you. You're welcome. I am, I, Moonlight is a meteorologist. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> and also, it had reached a level of, like, toxicity or something because they said that around him, like, some buzzards or, like, scavenger birds, so I'm guessing buzzards, mm-hmm. they were dead and they had, like, tried to feed on his body <gasps> and they died because it was so toxic. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. So... None of that made sense. They're like, what the fuck? They ran a lot of tests and all of that, and nothing still made sense. Mm -hmm. So Major Cunningham was accused of murdering him. Oh, no. Mm Mm-hmm. But after all of this, and I mean, you know, they went through some shit. Because, I mean, all like everything that had happened, there's no way that Cunningham could have done all of that. If he was under observation mm-hmm. with his body, you know, like all of that. Well, and where would all the blood have gone? Uh-huh. How could he have, have? How would he have drained it? Like all I picture is like when people go hunting and they like kill a deer. How they yeah. like string it up to yeah. bleed it out, and so it's like that's all I can picture. Yeah. And how the fuck is he going to do that in the middle of the desert? And just happen to be like, oh, hey, here's a thing flying by that'll be on the radar. Let me call them, like, the timing. Like, it's impeccable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the charges were later dropped. Apparently, this incident, it originated in a report that is alleged report, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was called the Grudge slash Blue Book Report 13. A lot of shit about this, I don't even know, like... I didn't want to get on another government watch list or anything mm-hmm. because researching this, I was on some like looking shady 1997 like Angel Fire websites. So Donna showed me the website at dinner, like didn't show me the content. I had no idea what she was doing, but showed me like it's like a like a black background with green right, and it was mm-hmm. it was very Heaven's Gates esque. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, like it probably had Comic Sans as the font, right? I mean, straight from 1997, mm-hmm. straight from, I'm going to make a website. Yes. <laughs> they probably bought the how-to dummy book, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. So, also, I mean, there's, like, so much mystery around this case because they're like, okay, is this document real? It's supposed to have been, like, analyzed by a certain high-up official, you know, all of the Things buried in conspiracy theories and mm-hmm. and all of that. And again, I'm like, well, you know, you can't prove anything. But then also it's like, well, 
His body wasn't, like, turned over for analysis. You know, like, I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. just so much. It's like, it's a government. They can cover up anything. Mm -hmm. But also, it's like, it's an alien abduction thing, and he was mutilated. Which one's right? You know? Like, I don't know. But it's fucking strange if it did happen. What if it's a government cover-up made to look like an alien abduction so that it looked like a government cover-up to cover up what it was actually covering up? Damn. I'm telling you, like, it. you tried not to make sense, but that made sense to me. No, I, I wanted it to make oh, sense. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, at first it didn't, but then I was like, <laughs> fucking mind blown. <laughs> that makes sense. That's what do, I'm do, saying. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and now our podcast gets shut down. Like, oh, fuck, that Carrie, she knows. And then all you hear is me. <laughs> because that, I really think that's a thing. Like, yeah. Like when some like st- stupid news story breaks, mm-hmm. it's like all over the news. And it's like, well, that's weird. It came out of nowhere. But like, meanwhile, over here, the government's doing some shady shit, but you're yeah. concentrating on somebody having an affair. Yeah. You know, some politician having an affair with an intern. And that's all the news cycle. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, we just got into a war with somebody. And we don't even know because we're worried about who shook in his intern. Right. And, like, a bill got passed or something, you know. Exactly. Like, Like, truly, yeah. I mean, it's all a magic trick where Uh it's like, oh, look over here Mm -hmm. while I'm easily doing it over here. Mm -hmm. And we fall for it every fucking time. Okay. So, you know, I have to go to Reddit. Like, well, in this situation... Reddit's where you need to go. Mm-hmm. You got to get out of the 1997 at websites and go to Reddit. <laughs> I know when Reddit is a step up, and I can understand that better. Reddit is so fucking confusing. Can somebody teach me Reddit? So so confusing. I am now at that age uh, where I'm like YouTube. How to do Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> how to Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. So people were like, I mean, Cunningham could have done this. He could have planned it out. He was, like, in the Air Force. He was a major. Like, all of the things. And so this one person was like, yeah, you can buy scalpels, forceps, retractors, hooks. You know, all of the shit if you can prove you're, like, a licensed professional. But you can also find it at, like, hobbyist sites and all of Mm -hmm. this stuff. I was going to say hunters. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, he wasn't a surgeon, so how could he do that? And they're like, well, he could read up on it. I mean, he does have a skill set and all of the things. So this person said they're a veterinarian surgeon. And they were like, I can't say that my anatomy is always correct, you know, like on the human. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, eh. But they were trained in advanced soft tissue surgery. And, like, they were just kind of saying... In their opinion, they don't think that Cunningham could have done this because they're both military men. So they probably had the same skill set, like, of fighting and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, just to overpower him Mm -hmm. and then be able to do all of this shit. And have no wounds, no bruises, Mm -hmm. no sign of an altercation at all. Yeah. And they said, yeah, reading up on this stuff can help you, but you have to practice. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, how could he go unnoticed if he was practicing? Mm -hmm. And they said that he would have to practice not only for precision, but for speed if he was trying to get all of this done at a certain time. You know, like... Yeah, for sure. All of this. And how did no one track, like, if he bought all this shit somewhere, there has to be a trace if he's doing that and they're out in the desert 
in New Mexico. To an extent. It's also, what, 1965, you said? 1956. Okay. Well, I inverted those numbers. I think. Okay. Don't One ask of me. One of those. It's it's not, I mean, it, they, they weren't fucking using their Discover card. True. And it racking up cash back. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like it was kept up with in that way. So it could possibly have gone unnoticed. Yeah. And then a person named Jeffy Jew, they replied, and they want to know if he could have managed to deflate the organs and pull them out. And if that skin would stretch from a 1.5-inch hole to a, like, 4-plus hole and then go back down to normal. Well, Jeffy Jew is just trying to get a how-to guide. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like, right? I mean, how do you even know how to, how do you even know to ask that? Right? I'm like, mm, asking for a friend, question mark, question mark. Government, if you're listening to this, you might want to check into him. I'm just saying. Right? I mean, he's going to be the next one on. Uh... Okay, good one. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Joe. Always said, America's Most Wanted? No, I was about to say criminal, but then I, but I was trying to say mind hunter, and then it just didn't. I just, yeah. my, my brain went. <laughs> then that Ruby Pip Lily said to deflate the organs, he would need a suction device to suck out the blood, bile, fluids, mucus, undigested food, feces, all of that. <laughs> and they said that these devices exist, but they won't suck out an actual organ and not all organs deflate. But he did say that the skin does stretch and like regain the shape afterwards. So like all his organs were, were removed? Well, some of them were yeah, but like no bodily fluid mm-hmm. and all of that was in mm-hmm. there. But I just saw that and I was like, I mean, people are having discussions. They're trying to understand mm-hmm. this shit. And it kind of like, okay, I mean, I don't think Cunningham did it either. I don't necessarily know if aliens did it, but. You know, all I can think about is because in my head, Love It is like a 21-year-old soldier. And I keep just thinking, his poor mama. Oh, I know. Like, all of this, but he has a family that has no answers. Right. Unfortunately. If this is even real, if that blue book is true and this report is real, yeah, it's really sad that there's no answers and that his family had to see his body like that. And Hold on. Mm -hmm. We don't even know if Cunningham and Lovett are real people. Um, um... Okay, I thought, now this fucking story just took a turn in my brain. I thought. (laughs) I said it, that No, no, yes, you did. In your defense, you did. But I thought they were real people. Love it really fucking died. And he really was about to get charged with his fucking murder. (laughs) And. I mean, it might have happened. But we, we don't even know for sure. And look, look, I researched and I researched. But there were some sites that were needing to be translated. And I said, uh, no, because I don't want to be abducted myself. Also, let me just say that shout out to Philip Adam. He suggested this way back when. And by suggested, I mean, he put it in the Facebook group and was like, this is kind of weird. What do y'all think? And I was like, let me mark that down to research. And then, yeah, I researched it now. And that's what I think, Philip. I'm at a loss now. I was on board. I was on board saying, I I don't think it's Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't, 
I don't fucking know about aliens. Because, you know, my first thought when you were describing what Cunningham said he saw with the aliens, I was looking at you like, uh-huh. for fucking real. But on the other hand, I don't not believe in aliens. Yeah. So, I was like, okay, open your mind up, Carrie. Let's hear the story. And I was I was on board that something, some weird shit went down. Yeah. But now we don't even know if the story's fucking real. Right. Like, not do we not know if the story's real, like, as in was it aliens, right? No. We don't even know if these people existed. Right. Well, damn. Y'all tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about it? Do you know them? Are they your uncle? <laughs> your long-lost uncle? Somebody do a 23andMe and find out if they're related. <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored. Well, we're going to move on to a story that we know actually happened. Allegedly. <laughs> okay. So for my story, we're coming a little more into the future to 2008. Oh, fuck. That's close. We're going to Pleasanton, California. California. California, A. There was a girl. Not a girl. She was an adult. Her name was Catherine Shearer. Catherine was married, had kids, and was about to go on vacation and her parents were going with her. They were going to go to Hawaii. And they were leaving in the next week. And she needed to work out a couple of little trip details with them. And so she called her parents. And they didn't answer. And so she's like, okay, well, okay. So she called a couple more times. And still, they didn't answer. And so she's like, what the fuck? And they usually at least call back, you know? Yeah. Because her parents were very active. They lived in a country club community. You know, they, they were just very active. And so it was like, well, you know, they're out and about. They'll call me back. But they never did. And so she's like, some shit's going on. Yeah. Like, skirt. So Catherine calls the country club and is like, can somebody please go check on my parents? They're not answering the phone. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but they're not answering the phone. The police got to the house and they're looking around and they find the body of Ernest Shearer Jr. and his wife, Charlene Abenroth, who are both Catherine's parents. Blessed. Well, both of them were dead, but they weren't just dead. They were brutally murdered. Oh, fuck no. Their bodies were found on March 14th of 2008. So, Ernest... Hey, mine was in March. Was it? Mm-hmm. So, Ernest Shearer Jr., he was 60 years old, and Charlene was 57. Ernest was a real estate investor, and Charlene was an accounting professor at California State University. Yeah, so not jobs that you would really think they'd have enemies at. Right. Well, just a little bit of background about them. Like I said, they had a daughter named Catherine. They also had a son, Ernest Shearer III, who went by Ernie. So the police are like... What the hell when they get inside? They both had been beaten very badly and stabbed to death. Oh, no, 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 no. I hate stabs. Like, no, no, I hate hammers. Oh, yeah, for sure that. But it's just like, oh, my God. Uh uh-uh. I hate when I stab myself with, like, a pen and stuff. Mm-hmm. Who, you stab yourself with a pen? Am I the only one? What kind of, like, P-E-N or P-I-N? Both. <laughs> How do you stab yourself with the P-E-N? I don't know. I'm left-handed. I got to do some finagling when it's a spiral. 
See, nobody sad. knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I would think. <laughs> I would think you would stab yourself with like the spiral part before a a writing pen. I'm trying to get jiggy with it. I don't know. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish y'all could see that she is writing in the air, so I understand that she's left-handed. Thank you. I've known you for 30 fucking years. I'm so glad I now know you're left-handed. <laughs> Surprise, bitch. <laughs> My whole friendship has been a lie. So the police are starting to, you know, investigate, Obvi. Dead bodies stabbed, beaten to death. And the thing is, is that the house was unlocked. There were no signs of forced entry. And the upstairs area had been ransacked. But as the police are looking more, they're like, this looks like somebody watched like a how to ransack, like, mm-hmm. like how to ransack a house for dummies. You know yeah. what I mean? And so they were like, it was just like, oh, let me pull this shirt out of this drawer and leave it open so it looks like I looked yeah. in here. You know, it just was very, it had a very staged feeling. Right. And the downstairs was not ransacked. It was just the upstairs. Also upstairs, in Ernest's wallet was $700 in cash. Oh, uh, what? And then, so just like the day before, I think, Ernest had been to the casino and won $9,000. What? And that was... Also, in plain view, like $9,000 in hundreds. What? Oh, he was going to roll in that. I mean, wouldn't you? Uh, Spread that shit out on the bed and do fucking money wings in them. Uh So that $9,000 was like hanging out of a pocket, clearly within sight. You know what I picture when you're saying that money? You know, like on Supermarket Sweep and all the places where they have to find the cash Mm -hmm. at a certain point and it's like, all stuck together, but it's, like, fanned out. Yes. Or whatever. That's what I'm picturing, like, in his pocket. Well, I got a lot of this stuff because there was a 48 Hours on it called Mm. Country Club Murders. On that, it, like, showed it, like, rolled up. Uh And I was like, where's the fun in that? Fan that shit out. Right? You know, like, I would have it, like... You see? Yes. (laughs) Like, literally, Donna and I both just were fanning our face with the fake money fanned out. Mm -hmm. So, there's... That's exactly how we would have done it. Yes. And because we're always hot. True. I also had a couple of articles that I found a lot of stuff in, too. But there was, like, this website that was the whole, like, people versus the killer. And it was, like, the trial, basically, transcripts that I found. Damn. Not exactly it, but it was, like, I mean, legit, like, 50 pages worth of the, like, court stuff that I found. So, it, like, has a lot of it spelled out. Ernest Jr.'s wedding ring was laying on the kitchen floor by his body. And police said that basically Ernest fought his attacker so hard, his wedding ring came off. Damn. Well, Charlene was still wearing all of her jewelry. And, I mean, they were pretty fucking well-to-do. Like, you know what I mean? So she wasn't wearing fucking cubic zirconia big-ass diamonds. You know what I mean? Well, her purse was still sitting on the kitchen table. So it's like there's all this money and jewelry laying around, and but the place is made to look ransacked. Mm-hmm. But what was taken? Right. The police also noted that their bodies had already started to decompose. Oh, gosh. At the time, they were like, they've been dead for four to 12 days. Fuck. And so... 
they did the autopsy. They said that they had both been stabbed in their heads, arms, all over their chest, wrists had been slit, and their throats had been cut. Fuck. Ernest had six blunt force trauma injuries, Mm-mm. and Charlene had a lot of the same injuries as him, but hers were more extensive. Mm. The other thing that the police found in the house were bloody footprints. Oh, fuck. Well, so they look at the, like, you know, they get like a thing of the foot, footprint, like a cast or a thing so mm-hmm. they can compare, you know, what they, forensics. Mm-hmm. We have a true crime podcast. <laughs> and they know that the shoe was a size 12 and it was a Nike Impact Tomahawk. That was the brand. Oh, size 12. Hello. Well, there was, so this was the thing. There was like a weird blood trail though. Like it was like from the shoes like to the linen closet. So it was like, well, the way the trail went, police were like, did the, did whoever it was know what's like know where they were going for that? Cl-? You know what I mean? Like it was just mm-hmm. such a random like it was like whoever was there, whoever did it, knew where they were walking to. Like they knew, yeah. like they were going to that closet for something specific. Mm-hmm. Police were a little bit hmm about the footprint too because they were like, it's too perfect. Mm. Like it's not smeared. It's not you know it's a it's a slippery floor because it's like very polished tile, you know, and it's wet with blood and there's no slipping anywhere, you know, so they're just, we're kind of like, this footprint's too perfect. So police at the very beginning were like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. Also with the door being unlocked, they're like, they had to have known who it was because they clearly let them in. Yeah. Well, the police tell Catherine what happened and she calls her brother Ernie and is like, you know, Coming like shit went down. You need to come in town. Mom and dad have died. You know. Well, the day after they did the autopsies, so now we're on March 18th. The police do a walkthrough with the kids and and who was closest to them to see if anything's missing. Well, when they were looking through the house, Ernie goes to that linen closet and pulls out one of his dad's swords. And it's, like, this really nice sword that's, like, he pulls it out of its little casing thing. Sheath. Yeah, that. I almost said that, and I was like, I don't know if that's right. I don't yeah. know if it's right. Sounds right. I thought it was, so it probably is. Two people can't, you know. Two, two people can't be wrong. I mean. If we're the only ones in the room. So Ernie turns to his wife, and he's like, isn't this a nice sword? She's like, yeah, okay. Like, like sure. bigger fucking fish to fry here, buddy. You right. Know? And... So he puts it back in, and as he's turning to walk away, he says, under his breath, I wonder where the other one is. And so his wife is like, skirt. Right? That's weird. So the police are trying to determine, again, when did they actually die so that they can start fucking interviewing people and getting alibis and, and the like. Yeah. Well, based on their stomach content and kind of the last time that they were seen because when they were found, they were in their PJs. So they were killed at night. Mm. I mean, I guess they could have been killed in the morning, but whatever. And so the police kind of put some pieces together and they know that on the night of the 7th that they had had dinner around 630 at the country club's restaurant and went home, you know, and vegged out. They also know that on March 9th, 
the clocks were supposed to be set forward for daylight savings time. Mm. And when the police got there on the 14th, the clocks, none of the clocks had been changed. Don't come to my house thinking that you're going to find mm-hmm. clocks changed. Well, but they they know, too, that Ernest had called and left a message for his daughter at about 7 o'clock the night of the 7th. Mm. They also know that Ernest had had a phone call with a former congressman at like 8.30 that night, too. Very she-she. Hoity-toity. Well, and that's the last that anybody had, like, spoke to them or knew, you know. So, the police were like, okay, we know that they were killed at some point after 8.30 p.m. on the 7th. Or at the very least, at the wee hours of the morning of the 8th. Well, so, the police kind of know now the timeline. And so, they're like, okay, let's start digging into their lives. Let's look at... Of course, number one, family first, Mm -hmm. but also let's find out a little bit about who they are. So they know that Charlene was a professor. So let's see, did she have any students that held grudges? You know, that kind of thing. We also know that Ernest was really involved in local politics. And to be frank, a lot of people didn't like him. Oh, shit. He was he was kind of a shit stir, like in that like, okay, let's say that. Because he was he was on the school board. So let's say that they were trying to make a vote. You know, he was always the, like, that one fucking vote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he actually was, like, dismissed from the school board. And so there was just a lot. There was, there was a lot of animosity. He really, like, he held grudges for, like, 20 years about some of this stuff. Like, it was, you know, he had, he had some skeletons in the closet, mm-hmm. if you will. So the police have that in the back of their minds, but they also are like, okay, we got we to gotta look at the kids, too. The police look at Catherine, and they're like, this isn't her. Like, there's, like that, you know, you just know. And she had alibis, and she, you know, she, mm-hmm. she had all the things. It wasn't her. So the police turn to their son, Ernie. Ernie is married, has, like, a three-year-old son, and, but his alibi just was not good. Mm. His alibi was that, his wife and kid were gone, like, for the weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he had gotten home and had gone to bed at, like, 6.30 that night because he was very tired. And he slept through the night by himself. Okay. When they're interviewing him, Ernie's like, yeah, I mean, if you look at my cell phone records, it'll show, you know, the towers will show that, like, it'll show me getting right up to my, basically, my front door. And, you know, I stayed inside all night, you know. I slept. I was tired. Damn. Well, here's the thing. It's it's reasonable that he would have been that tired to go to bed at 6.30 because Ernie was a professional poker player. Mm. So, it's reasonable if he had been up all night in, like, a poker tournament or yeah. something that he would have wanted to go to bed that early. Mm-hmm. Well, when they were interviewing him, he was like, I mean... Their house is like six hours, six, seven hours from my house. So it'd be like a 12-hour round trip. There's no way I could have done this. Yada, 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 yada. And it was just a weird interaction. Yeah. And like cu- he had thought about that shit. Yeah. And like a couple of days after they died, he's asking to see the will. And it was just mm. the police, the, you know, the, the hairs on the back of their neck were standing up. They were like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Shady McShaderson. Mm-hmm. So they start doing some digging. And they find out, you know, he graduated from Brigham Young University, had a degree in economics, Damn. and had he ended up marrying a girl that he met in college. Her name was Robin. Again, they had a they had a three year old, but instead of 
a life in business based on his degree, he decides to become a professional poker player. Mm-hmm. His wife supported him, but his mother did not. Mm. His sister said that it was like, as soon as he decided to be a professional poker player, it was like his mom, his relationship with his mom immediately changed. Mm. Because she was like, you can't provide for your family and you can't, you know, just yeah. she just didn't support it. Mm. The dad was like, okay, you do what you want to do. But the mom was like, I don't support it. Well, he did pretty well at first. You know, he had he was making like a hundred grand a year on his uh, winnings. Right. So he he was not doing bad. Yeah, not too shabby. I mean, he's doing better than all of us, really. Same, same. Yeah. Well, you would I mean, be included, included in the all of us, uh huh. Okay, I'm just not used to being included. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. Well, well, when he and his wife decide that they're ready to buy a house, they go to get a loan from the bank, and the bank is like, "Yeah, no, you're a professional poker player." You have no steady income. Like, good Boy, try. Man. Yeah. Good fucking try. So the parents loan him the money for the house. $600,000. Holy Hannah Montana. That's a lot of fucking money. That is a lot of fucking money. First of all, can I just have that amount of money? Mm-hmm. But also, can I have that amount of money to be able to fucking loan somebody? Right. Right. My... I can't comprehend that amount of money. I can't loan somebody $600. No, I'd be like, yeah, I can loan it to you, but uh, can you pay it right back? I mean, like, when you get paid next, Mm because I'm going to need it, like, now. (laughs) Like, my credit card bill due on the 13th. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So they had set up, like, a payment plan and all. He was supposed to pay them just under $3,900 a month for the loan and all the things. But his luck at gambling took a turn. As one does. I mean, it's gambling for a reason. Mm-hmm. Well, so in addition to the 600000 he owed his parents, he had a $100,000 gambling and credit card debt. Oh. Mm. Oh, honey. No, no, no. You know what? Mo money, mo problems. Well... But this is, like, that right there, though, is, because it's so funny that we've, the past two episodes, I've talked about gambling. But just like we said in the last episode, though, that is why I can't be a regular at a casino. Mm-hmm. Because I would do, that, I, I would get in trouble. Oh, for sure. Me too. I could easily gamble everything away. Me too. So, it's like, I understand it. Oh, 100% understand, but then we also don't have a family and all of True. that, too. True. But, again, though, even more of a reason for him to do it because he's like, oh, my God, I've lost, let's say, Mm $50,000. And he's like, well, let me just get this other 50 out and maybe I can win it all back, you know? Yeah. The other thing, too, not only was he racking up all this debt, he was living a double life. Oh, shit. He was, like, a high roller in Las Vegas. And one time he met a girl who was from North Carolina and... She was there on a business trip, and they just happened to fucking meet. And she fell for him. He, you know, in like even in 48 hours, she was like, you know, I met him. I looked at his left hand. He didn't have a ring. Yeah. You know, I mean, he knew what he was doing. He mm-hmm. was out there looking, and th- there was no way for her to have known. Yeah. Well, she started having a relationship with Ernie. They would travel together. Like, they had a whole separate life. That is so, like, 
mind-blowing how people can do that. I know. And here's the thing, too, is that sometimes they would be gone for weeks. Like, how? Well, and that's the thing. Like, because he was a professional poker player, his wife thinks he's gone to some fucking poker tournament. Yeah, true. Her name is Adrian Solomon. He even met Adrian's mom. Whoa. Even told Adrian's mom, I'm going to marry her. They even went and looked at fucking engagement rings. Wow. All the while, he knows he's married back in California. Wow. One of the things that really kind of made police go, hmm, was remember how I talked about he was like trying to get his hands on the wheel? Even a couple of days before the parents died, he tried to get the wheel. But this is what I don't understand, though. He was just a couple of months away from his 30th birthday. And when he hit his 30th birthday, he got a $2 million inheritance. Whoa. Yeah, that's how much money they had. Oh, my gosh. So it's like, you know, like, it doesn't really make sense. So, like, why would he? Yeah. If he did this, why would he have killed them for the money if, well, and sorry, one thing I forgot, too, was, though, the parents were kind of pressuring him to pay the $600,000 back because, you got to remember, it's 2008. That's when the market took a big turn, like, especially the housing market. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted their money back. Yeah. So he was feeling some pressure from them to pay it off. While I can see why he's worried about his, his inheritance, I don't understand why he would do this if he could have just been like, hey, hold out for two months until I turn 30, and then I'll give you your six Gs. Yeah. 600 Gs, excuse me. See, it's so much money, I can't even comprehend it. Right. Well, the the financial burdens that he was under were really were really big. I mean, his gambling, he was, he was going from... You know, small bets, maybe maybe the buy-in being like 200 to the buy-in being like 6,000, you yeah. know, and bigger and bigger. It was just getting big, all just huge bets. He was losing a lot of money, borrowing money, all the things. Well, on February 14th of 2008, his cell phone records show that he was looking for guns for sale in Prim, which is right along the California border. On March 6th, One of his friends went with him to buy a gun in Nevada because apparently, like, the laws are a little more lenient in Nevada than California for buying a gun. Well, the friend was going to buy the gun for Ernie. And then when they got there and they're talking to the guy at the shop, he realizes that it's, like, a very, it's not the most above board Mm -hmm. thing. And it's a little, you know, illegal. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, oh, no, uh uh-uh. And and backed out because he's like, hell fucking no. I'm not going to illegally buy a gun for you mm-hmm. well and the th- and the thing was was that ernie had said that somebody had broken into his house and he wanted the gun for protection so it wasn't just like ernie was like hey will you go buy me a gun and this one was like okay let's go figure it. you know what i mean like yeah. he he had a tell they know that on march 7th at like ten forty-five in the morning he withdrew 500 dollars from robin's checking account his wife And then he also had made a $500 withdrawal the day before. Then, at around noon, he used his credit card at a McDonald's in Prim, Nevada. And then, right after that, like around 1230, he had gotten gas at a Chevron in Prim. His cell phone records showed that he was in Prim for like an hour and a half. And then, just like he said, basically, the cell phone records show him going back to his house and then it doesn't pick back up until like 6.30 the next morning of his cell phone activity. But the whole time, the cell phone was at his house. 
so the police are doing their digging. You know, they're still looking to see what they can find out. The parents live in a country club. There's security footage. Mm -hmm. And so they have video surveillance of a car coming and going, you know, in that area that was a red convertible. And Ernie drives a red convertible Camaro. Oh, shit. And so they're like, we. I mean, that's him. Like, that is him. Because I, I forget the times, but it was like like the, the car, the time stamps on it would have been like how long it would have taken him to drive there from like 6.30 p.m. The six or seven hours it would have been the car. The car passed back by leaving like an hour and a half later. Yeah. You know, and so they're like, that's him. Like, we know that's him, but we cannot fucking prove it beyond reasonable doubt right now. Well, a few days after the murder... Ernie takes his car in and spends $140 fucking dollars to get his Camaro washed from head to toe, inside and out. Even gets four new tires. Mm-hmm. All on the fucking Camaro. Mm-hmm. And the people that worked at the car cleaner placey thingy. Detailers? Sure. They said that they specifically remember him being there with his Camaro because they were like, he basically followed the Camaro the whole way through to make sure it was cleaned. Wow. Well, Ernie told the police that he wears a size 10 shoe, not a size 12. But again, the police are like, hmm, because the shoes look like somebody was like, and step in the blood and print. You know, it's not, it doesn't look like someone walking around a fucking crime scene, Mm -hmm. cleaning up or ransacking or whatever the fuck they were doing. Not long after the police are doing all this digging, Ernie tells his wife, like, look, I have to go clear my head. I got to go. And she's like, where? And, like, will I see you again? And right. he was basically like, I don't know. Oh, gosh. So this guy that they are mm, pretty fucking sure killed his parents, mm-hmm. but they just don't have enough yet to arrest him, is now, like, quasi on the run. Right. Like, not on the run, but but not not on the run. Mm-hmm. He's on the trots. Mm-hmm. Well, while he's gone, this mother humpa starts putting out all these ads on Craigslist for women. Like, oh single, looking for someone to hang out with. I'm great. It, like, singles fucking ads. Yeah. He met all these different people. Like, it was like, I think it was like over a hundred women that he met. What? Yeah, it was it was a fuck ton. I could be making that number up. Don't hold me to it. But it was a shit ton of people. Mm-mm. A fuck ton of people, a shit ton of semen. Oh, okay. She was also one on me when she said that. <laughs> For effect. <laughs> Get uh, it? It's a pirate semen. Yeah. Oh. Here's the thing, too, is that these ads were fucking everywhere. They were like Portland, Seattle, Denver, Buffalo, Vegas, Baton Rouge, Memphis, North, like literally all over the country. He was going to meet these women. He was on a fucking pussy parade. Well, his wife fucking found out about all of it, too. Mm-hmm. And was like, she found out about the ads. She found out about the girlfriend. She found out about fucking everything. And hell hath no fucking fury like a woman fucking scorned. Mm-hmm. So she tells police, she's like, he did this. Like, when he called her and said, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. She was like, he did this. She's like, I knew in my bones he did mm-hmm. it at that moment. You know, when he said that about the sword, she was like, ooh, mm-hmm. didn't sit right. You know, but all, you know, then she was like, okay, I'm helping out. So 
She go, She calls the police. She's like, this is everything I know. How can I help you? And they're like, okay, this is what we want you to do. We're going to record your conversation with him. You call him and tell him that we have this video of that red Camaro leaving, but tell him that we can see the driver. And so she calls him and, you know, she knows he's out having affairs and doing all yeah. this stuff. And, but she's like playing the role of a lifetime. Right. And is like... You know, like, hey, how's it going? How you feeling? You know, she's like, look, the police told me that they have a surveillance video from the country club that shows a red Camaro and they can see the face of the driver. And he's like, you can see the face of the driver? And she's like, yeah, were you there? And there's this huge long pause. And then he's like, what else can you tell me about the video? And that she's like, for real, for real, in that moment, it was like, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, again, it's not concrete evidence that he did it, but it's just a pile of circum- circumstantial evidence. Yeah. The other thing is that the police did the drive from, you know, his house to the parents, back to his house. And the cell phone went cold at like 6.30 p.m., and using the timestamps from the Camaro entering and leaving the country club, it is like exactly to the minute when the cell phone turned off and turned on. Wow. Like not turn, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he left his cell phone on at home, mm-hmm. but the usage, mm-hmm. like legit basically to the minute. Well, they did find some DNA that was in the blood, like, of the shoes and stuff, that they were, like, the defense was, like, this is somebody else, somebody else's DNA, yada, yada, yada. So it can't be him. But the prosecution had experts that were, like, that could have been from the first responders. And so that kind of didn't sit well with me. I mean, do I think that Ernie did it? Oh, fucking absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that really was bothersome. That, like, so how many other people are getting off because there's somebody else's DNA there, but it's really a first responders? Mm, yeah. Or the flip side of that. How many people are they convicting when someone else's DNA is there and the prosecution's like, oh, it's just a first responders? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's quite bothersome. For DNA to be, because, you know, we are in an age of forensics and, you know, we all watch forensics files and that, you mm-hmm. know, the CSI effect of in these murder trials, people want forensic evidence. Yes. And so for something like DNA to be so, to hold so much weight in a trial and then to be like, what? Yeah, but the, yeah, there was somebody else's DNA there, but it was probably somebody else's. It's probably a first responder. What you mean, fucking probably? How you not know every fucking first responder that was there? Yeah, test all their motherfucking DNA. Yes. Like I know it's expensive, but goddamn, this is somebody's life. Right. Some people died. So I, that just did not sit well with me, and you know that could be a whole nother discussion about. But I just was like, that, you know, you could look at both sides of how that impacts. A prosecution and a defense of somebody yeah. else's DNA fucking being there. And why was that just like, yeah, well, you know, it could have been somebody else's. Well, I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that, that bitch. bitch. 
The police arrested him February 23rd of 2009. And even though they had enough to arrest him, they're still fucking looking for evidence because they want to have every piece of everything that they could possibly find so that they get a conviction. This is a one fucking shot deal, you Mm -hmm. know? So one of the investigators is pouring over the crime scene photos for probably the seven millionth time. And he's looking at this picture and he's like, what the fuck is that piece of paper? And so like they zoom in. It ends up, it's a piece of paper, it's a warranty card for a child's baseball bat. And it's bloody. And they realize that the the murder weapon that they didn't know what it was that caused the blunt force trauma, it was a child's baseball bat. Like a new, wow. and so that was the warranty card from this new child's baseball bat. So, they're like, okay, we got a baseball bat, we know it's that, and we know there's Nike shoes. So we're like, let's look, let's let's look at his movements again, and they realize that right around that McDonald's and Chevron in Prim is a fucking Nike outlet. Wow! So they do some digging, and they find that Ernie was at that Nike outlet, and he bought with cash though, but it was him bought a child's baseball bat, soccer gloves, and a size twelve Nike tennis shoe wow and they were like got him mm-hmm. so they go through a three-month trial there was a little bit of like there's some like some shit about the trial that i'm not really going to go over but like this is how cocky and arrogant and narcissistic that ernie is he was like according to the prosecutor flirting with one of the female jurors and that they would like smile at each other and you know and that when the jurors would leave the room he would like look at the prosecutor and laugh and like make comments like got her kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah but three months trial he was found guilty on two counts of first degree murder so he was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole good And I just want to end with a quote from his sister. She said, dreams were lost, promises were broken, and all of our lives will never be the same. Golly. Well, seems like his luck ran out. Well, damn. (laughs) So that's the story of the Country Club murders. Wow. I feel so sorry for his, his sister. Yeah. His wife and his child. Yeah. And his girlfriend. True, 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 true. Because she was an innocent in this. Oh, yeah. She had no fucking idea. She, she thought, had a fucking life with him. Yeah. She thought she had met this great man who mm-hmm. loved her, wanted to marry her, went on, you know, took her on vacations. Met her mama. If you meet my mama. Well, if you meet my mama, you did. You a fucking medium. And <laughs> who else you see? You want to be on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard life out there for a single gal. It truly is. I mean, you know, there's a lot of problems in the dating game. Mm-hmm. Who knew that that was one of them, though? Right? Oh, my gosh. How, like, how do you even go on your next... Okay, so your next date. Like, your next first date. Uh, or whatever. And they're like, well, tell me about your last relationship. And you're like, well, he killed his parents. <laughs> I mean... Right? Well, I have a killer story for you. <laughs> 
are you a little bit morbid? Because how do you feel about true crime? <laughs> do you watch the ID channel? Yeah, if you've watched 48 Hours, you might know it. Meanwhile, they're like a fan of 48 Hours, and they that's where they saw her from, and they're mm-hmm. like, ha. They're like creepy because that would be some fucking luck. Your first guy to be a killer and then your next guy saw you on the TV show about your killer boyfriend and then wanted to date you. That's a fucking book or a lifetime movie. That is a lifetime movie if I've ever fucking saw one. And I will marathon the shit out of that. (laughs) We just wrote a movie right then. I'm going to just trademark, (laughs) register, copyright that right now. Lifetime. (laughs) Not sponsored. Right. (laughs) But seriously, that's crazy. Also, that aliens might or might not exist. You know, like cows. You know the other thing? Oh, shit, what? Cunningham and Lovett might or might not exist. (laughs) (laughs) Look, they existed, and then the Men in Black came in. Zap, zapped. Everybody? Mm-hmm. Well, who wrote the fucking report? Well, someone, Allegedly. Someone did. He got away. He was like, oh, yeah, I don't remember shit. Ho, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. I got CRS. Anything else we learned? That DNA thing kind of just, it was a, it was like a. That was a light bulb moment. That was like a, what? Yeah. Well, we hope y'all have had a great September. We are right on the cusp of. October, which means 31 Nights of Halloween. You know what I'm most excited about of this 31 Nights of Halloween? Our intro song. Yes! I know, because I am too. It is so fucking good. Yes, y'all. Y'all, Mama Lips did it again. They recorded us another intro song for the 31 Nights of Halloween. If you are... Uh, Patreoner, Creepinati, you have already heard the other intro song that they did that is the best. It's really good. Like, legit, one day I was, like, walking through work and I was like, what am I singing? Holy shit, I'm singing our other <laughs> intro song. It's so good. I sing it, too. <laughs> I know, it's so good. So, anyway, they did such a great job and I am so excited for it. Like, if this doesn't get you in the mood for, like, creepy, spooky, Halloween-y mm-hmm. things, check your pulse. You ain't got no soul. Oh, my gosh. But seriously, it's so good. Anything else you're excited for? Anything else you want to say? Anything else we need to do? We got a shit ton of shit to do. We do. This is going to be a busy fucking month, but it is going to be so much fun. Yes. This is everything. This is like... This is the Super Bowl. Donna, I swear to God, I was about to say (laughs) this is our Super Bowl. We are on... Let's re-record because we might be better. Okay, but no. So, on that note, remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.